The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Silver Bells Murders, the unofficial American Gothic internet radio show exclusively on PompeyChuloRadio.com. PompeyChulo Radio Pop Culture On Demand. Today is Friday, August 12th, 2016, and I am your host, Mike. During tonight's broadcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of CBS American Gothic. Please welcome my co-host, Sam Hoover. Hello, listeners. Do you know who the Silver Bells killer is yet? It's you. No. <laughs> no. No, no, it's not. Jess? Hi, everybody. Hope you're having a fantastic night. And Bobby Chulo. I don't care how mad you are. You can't pee on the other campers. And I'm talking to you, Jess. But Poppy, come on. It's a stress relief. <clears throat> Well, only if you had a lot of water. I gotta pee! Slowly building up that migraine. But let's jump into our recap of Season 1, Episode 8, titled Kindred Spirits. And it was aired on August 10th, 2016. While Cam is in rehab, Jack is lured into a dangerous adventure by a new friend, Sadie. Also, Garrett and Allison work to silence a local reporter who is harassing the Hawthorns, and Brady makes a bizarre breakthrough in the Silver Bells Killers case. Before I ask for everybody's initial reaction, we got a rating amount for American Gothic, and it was reported that it was a total of two, about 0.4 in the demo with a 2.38 million viewers. So not too bad, so it's doing pretty good. And on that note, what was everybody's initial reaction to the episode? First person I'm going to start with is Jess. This episode was a lot of different things for me. Like, it brought out a lot of different plot threads and different things that... I I don't know (laughs) that I was ready to deal with this week. Like... The possibility of Jack the Ripper Jr. finding love, that was just too much for me. But also, I enjoyed a lot of the aspects of this week's episode. I was very, very impressed, and I can't wait to dive into it. Poppy Chulo? I enjoyed the episode as well. It was a slower episode, but I'm not saying that as a complaint. Uh, You know, obviously, at some point in the season, uh, you know, they they need episodes that... uh, you know, ha- maybe don't have all of the um, 
the, the big shocking twists and turns that we've grown accustomed to, but I enjoyed the episode thoroughly. I thought there was a lot of really great character development, and uh, the twists that we did have were surprising, so um, I, I thought it was a pretty good episode. And Sam Hoover? Yeah, I have to agree with everyone. There's a lot of things, like Jess said, that were very different, and I wasn't expecting... You know, minus the fact that they framed Garrett again. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. <sighs> yeah, Jack going off with some girl was kind of weird. And then Allison showed another side of herself that I wasn't, like, prepared for. Because they revealed so early that one of the Hawthorne family members is a killer, they have to kind of slow it down so it doesn't, like, speed up too fast. So the, the last episode is, like... Blah. Kapow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's blah, but because they want it to be kapow. Exactly. So, yeah, overall, I really liked this episode. Okay. That makes. I, I totally get where everybody's coming from. But I think for me, I kind of agree that it uh, the show itself was kind of. I felt like it wasn't as driven in the sense that it wasn't moving forward too quickly, but I felt like it really did showcase a lot of uh, the characters' different developments and how. How you see like relationships starts to start to build a little bit more. So it was it was pretty good. Um, but before we get through into a thorough recap, here are a few reminders on you, on how you can interact with the show via via social media. Follow the show on Tumblr, the Silverbellsmurders.tumblr.com. You can follow the station on station on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr, how I just mentioned. You can help support Poppy Chulo Radio financially by visiting GoFundMe.com slash Poppy Chulo Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or maybe even concerns? Email us via contact at PoppyChuloRadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chulo Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at PoppyChuloRadio.com. You can binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chulo Radio programs by visiting poppychuloradio.com slash archives and search for the Silver Bells Murders through iTunes and hit the subscribe button. New episodes are available to download on Fridays throughout the summer. So, if we were to go ahead and start out through from the beginning, we notice that the show starts off with uh, leading off right from the previous episode and we see Garrett trying to pull out quite a bit of money from the bank, which was roughly around... 200,000. During that time, we noticed that the teller is like, I, I have to get, you know, your mother on on the uh, on the phone in order to make sure that this transaction goes through. So through it all, he decides to go through it all. He decides to pull up the entire, you know, 200,000 and he goes to where Christina was working at and she and he decides to go ahead and donate the money to them. And during that time, Jess, how did you feel about that? That he just wanted to pull out $200,000 and then just immediately just give it away? In terms of, you know, Garrett and his whole persona and the things that he does, he is just shifty to me. And so when he was asking for that much money, I honestly was like, yes, he's finally going to like fuck out of this family he's just gonna be like i'm going to somewhere exotic i don't need you and i'm taking all of your money and you guys can just suck it basically i'm leaving and then when i saw what he was using it for 
a piece of my cold, dead heart came alive. Aw, like the Grinch. Little bit, maybe, sort of, I guess. Okay, and what about you, Samantha? How did you how did you feel about that whole interaction that Garrett wanted to pull up that much amount of money and kind of just acted real cool about it that it would be in, as quote, in the family's best interest in order for them to do that? I was like, yes, this guy's going to blackmail Madeline. I was so excited, and then he gave it away, and I was like, okay, that was a pretty good gesture. Well, because when he was in the hospital bed last week, he's like, what would you do if I told the truth? And he was really pushing the envelope. And I thought, because he didn't say anything just yet, that he could hold something against Madeline. So I was kind of excited to see what he would do. You know, I think he did it in part for Christina, but for the clinic as a whole. And that was just a really nice gesture. And it kind of fared off some of the bad press they've been getting. But I think Garrett did the right thing, absolutely, with all of that money. So I guess I can see where that's coming from. So... If we were to actually dive into his reaction, would you guys would you guys feel that he really was doing it for the family's best interest or it was more in regards to his own self-interest? But it just so happens that it was compiled with his entire family. Uh I'll go with I'll go with you, Poppy. How do you feel? Well, in the beginning, it seemed very sketch, and I was definitely on the Sam train uh, thinking like, oh, okay, you know, last week he was like, you know, I I got secrets, you know, keep me happy, you know, let's whatever, 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 and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, okay, you know, he's doing, I don't want to say the smart thing, because it is kind of like the wrong thing, but it is the smart wrong thing to do. I was like, okay, you know, he's getting all this blackmail money, he's going to be rich, bitch, he's a real big timer. I was like, I was all for it. But then I was like, oh, okay, you know, he he's donating the money, he's giving it to this small clinic, probably in a in a way to sort of either get Christina's attention, or to like basically say i'm sorry or or whatever and uh, then i was like okay that's nice that's not bad you know using like money from the family whose patriarch is at least one element of uh, sbk you know using that money for good i was like okay I i can see what you're doing so then you so then you feel like it was a smart like kind of smart but kind of bad like it it took it was like in the sense of both ways, both like a smart move, but not really a smart move. Like, would you agree to that? I would say I thought it was I thought it was maybe the the most honorable thing to do as far as in the long run. Like, would this hurt him at some point? Like, can people like twist it and turn this into evidence against him or the family? maybe you know i guess you know if you do anything when you're under like the watchful eye of people sometimes whatever you do even if you're just checking the mail it might seem suspicious so sure it could end up seeing suspicious in the long run but at least at that moment i feel like he felt he was doing the right thing yeah that yeah i can agree with that that makes sense if moving on to the next scene, we kind of see that the little interaction with Garrett and his mother are kind of, you know, she immediately asks questions, you know, what did you do with the $200,000? I mean, she immediately immediately wants to know what exactly is happening to her money. And he just simply states, you know, 
it's went to you know a good cause he literally just answered it the usual garrett way that he would normally answer to his mother and then moving on a little bit further we see that the reporter uh, is again brings light to some you know crisis that the hawthorne family is dealing with and allison is trying to figure out where her sources are coming from because she has no clue how on earth this reporter is getting all this information and which then leads to uh them leads to the show leading to show that cam uh is in rehab and he seems to be doing fine he's talking to a nurse and the nurse and this nurse seems you know really really nice she seems you know somebody that he can definitely speak to about his problems is his issue somebody that he can definitely grow accustomed to to be you know close to and trying to connect with jess how do you feel about that type of connection that cam has with this nurse like do you feel like it, it was a good setup for him or how, how did you more or less get a feel for this scene Okay, first of all, I have to admit I'm super biased. So I recognize the nurse, her voice. She's Haley from One Tree Hill. I love Haley. And so automatically when I recognized her, I just was like, oh my God, you're so much better than Sophie. I don't care. You could be a murderer. You could stuff Cam's body in your trunk and dump it in the river. And I would still think that you were so much better than Sophie. I love you. Just because I, I recognize Haley from, you know, my teen years. And so for me, Nurse April is a great addition. I love how she bounces off of Cam. And I love the way that they introduced her. Like when she was like, oh, hey, I know you. And she's like, oh, yeah, well, of course you would. Because, you know, my family's been on the news and all the stuff that's surrounding them. And she's like, no, no, like. I know you through your work and she's able to create a dialogue with Cam that's about his triumphs, not about his failures or his struggles or, you know, the things that he could or should be doing. She's actually helping him kind of see the value in what he's done as opposed to all of the mistakes that he's made. And I thought that that was really, really cool. I thought that like about two seconds in, I was shipping them which is terrible, but I was like... <laughs> You're Fuck. immediately shipping them. I literally, I attached Aww. to them like a flesh-eating bacteria. I was like, no, kinky. Like, right away, like, I just, I want them to go somewhere and, like, Sophie can have Jack, whatever. Jack doesn't exist anymore. Jack is a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I want April and Cam to go somewhere and live in a little apartment full of books and she can drink coffee and he can sketch pumpkin spice stay in bed all day and, and everything nice amazing yes well i think we can all agree right that a wet stray dog that's covered in fleas filled with rabies and the zika virus is better than selfie right yes yeah. and jack jack too <laughs> and jack jack let's throw jack in the mix too Jack and Sam Sophie is Team Sophie. One of the same. No, I just feel bad for her. I don't love her. So you'd like give her a hug and like you take her away. out for like Starbucks and then take selfies with her? I would hug her and walk away. And then you'd have a strange <laughs> smell on you. 
for the rest Why of the day. Why would you hug her? She's a terrible person. She'll steal your wallet, Sam. To use it for drugs. Okay, I wouldn't hug her that one. <laughs> She'll steal your social security card. Why would you... Tap on the shoulder. That's She'd get a reverse mortgage in your name. I love her so much, I'd call the police. Okay. They were the first person on my list. For me, I hate the person that's framing Garrett more than Sophie, so... I second that, too. But... Moving on a little bit further, we see, you know, uh, Tessa, you know, going to the doctor, just, you know, the, you know, the typical routine type checkup. And we kind of noticed that her persona around it is, you know, she's, she's worried, like her, her face isn't, you know, full of, you know, happiness and joy that, you know, a potential mini me of her and Brady is coming into this world. She seems you know taken back she seems frightened she seems concerned considering all of the media outrage and storm that's pretty much mm-hmm. surrounding her family and you know we kind of see the doctor ask you know oh well you know he your husband knows right and she you know that does he know that you're pregnant and she says oh yes he does he knows Lies. and she obviously hasn't told anyone so Right there, we can kind of see more or less that Tessa is really struggling, really has these major internal struggles of coming to terms with maybe potentially bringing a child into this world, considering that what her family is going through, she really is under this impression that bringing a child into this is the literal wrong idea for this you know, uh, life. This is definitely what she would not want for her child at all. So, is it safe to assume that her worries are definitely in the right place? Or do you guys feel like that this type of worry and concern that she brings, do you guys, that it kind of eliminates her from being a potential suspect? No. How do you feel about that? Poppy, you immediately answer, so I'm going to go with you. Yeah, I don't feel like it eliminates her as a suspect because she could have, if this happened in her childhood and if maybe it was a traumatic experience, she could have forgotten or maybe with extensive therapy and whatnot because they have a boatload of money. But, so like, you mean like a, like a secret thing, like something under the rug? Like, because since they have the money for it, it you would assume that, oh, that they paid off somebody to, to treat but to not necessarily have it on the on the keeps, like to have it in right. Yeah, possibly. I mean that that okay. could be a theory. But like not thinking sort of sinisterly in that way, just seeing her as a person. I mean, I get where she's coming from. I mean, she comes from a fucked up family of uh, you know, people with these intense psychoses. So of course she's going to be freaked out because that baby is 50% her. I mean, she's probably praying that that baby, you know, is like more so like the 50% of Brady side because Brady at least is normal and it doesn't seem like he has any psychoses. Brady. Exactly. But, you know, he doesn't seem to be a killer. So she's she should be praying. She's like, oh, please let this baby be 100 percent Brady, because if it has any little piece of my DNA in it, it might end up killing me in the middle of the night because she's like looking at Jack. Hmm. Okay, Sam, how do you feel about that? Do you feel like that her reaction, the way that she's portraying herself in regards to 
being nervous, frightened, scared, whichever word you would like to portray Tessa, do you feel like that it kind of eliminates her from being a suspect or do you feel like that it shows a more caring, nurture side of her that we've already seen, but it just shows a different aspect of how she goes about it? I mean, I have never heard of this gene and she's probably never heard of this gene and she's like, I don't want whatever's in my family to be in her or him and... Does it eliminate her? Not at this point. I can't really read her, but mm-hmm. she's been acting a lot different. I think she's just trying to get this SBK case off of the docket so she can relax. And, you know, it's not going as quickly as she would like. And it's kind of like her family's still getting bad press. And she's just like, oh, uh, like there's just lots on her plate. So I don't think that excuses her 100%, but I do think. I understand where she's coming from. And if that gene was in her child, I think she would be devastated for sure. I, I, I assume that it's in Jack like that. I don't think anyone disagrees with me. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I don't want another Jack running around. Are you kidding? Like in a few years? Yeah. I don't think overall it eliminates Tessa. I just think it's a cause for concern in the whole family. Like what, who else has this? Where did it stem from? Yeah, I, I see you, both y'all's points when it comes to that. If we were to skip on just a little bit further, we see that Tessa drops off little, little spawn of Satan over here, Jack, to the camp that was mentioned in the previous episode. And we kind of see that he somewhat takes a liking to it, but not really. Like Kind of like it curiosity gets a little bit of the better of him at the moment, because... You know, he's not at home and he's wanting because he thinks that this he already understands more or less that this is a therapy type thing for kids. But he's under the impression that, well, you know, give it a shot. So Tessa speaks to the director of the facility and explains that we kind of need to know more or less if it's a nurture or nature, more or less how the child's upbringing is or what are the other factors that may involve you know, Jack being this type of individual that's would be considered trouble to, you know, because of all the things that he's done in previous episodes, we've noticed that he has done, you know, really, really interesting, a safe word here, really interesting things that he's done that you normally would not see in a child of his age. Yeah, thing. At all, at all, do. So. We get a feel for more or less that this facility is supposed to better Jack. Jess, how do you feel about this facility? Do you feel like it was a good choice for them? Do you feel like for the family to put to try to put Jack here? Or do you think you would have done something differently if you were in their shoes? <laughs> and I went yeah. to you specifically because I know grief. how much you love Jack. Something's wrong with Jack. Yeah, no, I don't think that... I was really surprised at, you know, the the whole summer camp friendship bracelet vibe that I got from this place. I thought it was going to be less parent trap and more Arkham Asylum, except he's never, ever getting out. And literally... I love how you called it the parent trap. They are in a camp in that movie, right? It's been a couple yes, of years. Yes, no, but I it's thought. funny. Okay. All right. Like you see two Lindsay Lohans all of a sudden. 
If there was two jacks, I would die. I wouldn't watch this show. I I wouldn't be able to handle it. <laughs> I just I Jack is one of those characters that I hate it when he pops up on the screen, but like I need to know if he's going to realize his full potential as a serial killer and actually um the whole idea that he's potentially got this serial killer gene, this warrior gene, the MMOA gene. It reminds me of the book Defending Jacob by William Landay, and they actually go into detail about what this gene means and, you know, what it can potentially cause a person to do. So I was already familiar with, you know, the concept of the gene when they brought this up and, like, the different risk factors that he could have. And I'm like, why is he at a why is he at a summer camp so he can trade ideas with kids about how to make friendship bracelets out of other kids intestines yes like is that what you're is that what you're doing why is he not in a padded cell like i don't necessarily know that there is a cure for jack's brand of of illness if that's what it is technically like the terminology for it. I don't know that he can be cured. Like it might just be something that is in him that he can never really escape or, or grow out of or get past. Like, and then of course he, he terrifyingly met probably the only person on earth that that, would ever love him that clicks with him, which, okay. Shamefully, my first reaction was like, wait, he's a serial killer and he can find someone and I'm still single? I don't understand. I don't understand. Jess, would you like to date a serial killer? Is that what you're saying? No, thank you. But why? Why is it so easy for him to find someone? Even though she did totally like crush an ant and like, I think she I think that was a cockroach. I thought it was an ant, but I'm really bad at, at identifying bugs. You don't want that crawling up your leg, Jess. No, I don't want anything crawling up my leg, especially not if it's got... Unless it's an ex-boy bander. Especially not if it's got, like, serial killer children around it. Because those two, like, honestly, I just, I was like, oh god, there's another one. What the, why are there so many of these children, like... Why? Walking around on this earth. Who did? Who did this? Who gave right. us permission? And, and it's interesting because they in the episode they do mention about the uh, the enzyme MAOA. So I can just imagine so many people are going to kind of look. Maybe a few people are going to look it up on Google or on Yahoo or whatever type of search engine they want to do. Bing. Or Bing. Don't forget Bing. <clears throat> <laughs> But it's 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 interesting that they do bring up a more biological sense of where it's coming from. So it is <clears throat> interesting because not many people know that it's just it's an enzyme that more or less affects the different types of neurotransmitters that are located in our body, such as uh, like norepinephrine and serotonin. So I think it's really cool that they bring up this element, this new thing, instead of immediately going with the idea that oh that somebody had to have contributed his behavior so i think that's really cool that they bring out a different way of trying to portray what why this may be happening or what 
maybe uh, a reason as to why uh, certain behavior patterns are happening. So I thought that itself was pretty cool. Now, we go on a little bit further and we see our two lovely ladies, Madeline and Allison, visiting the reporter. And this scene, I think, was really cool because, as we all know, we see we see Allison and Madeline kind of similar in personality traits in the sense that they both want to have this sense of control. They both want to be able to have all the like cards. Like Janet Jackson. And yeah, pretty much. They want to be able to have all the cards on their side and being able to have access to all of the potential plans, routes, notions, everything you can think of on their side, knowing full well what are the possible consequences and what are not. So they try to convince and they try to convince this, the reporter that, you know, you know how you know how much, you know, damage you're doing to our family. And she simply just says, well, was there anything that I said that was a lie? Because if it was, I'll be more than happy to, you know, state, you know, I'll be able to state, I will be more than happy to state on, on live air and, see, and re retract everything I said. And they stay quiet. And she simply just says, you know, that I'm going to keep doing my job. You know, there's nothing you can say or do that will change it. And Madeline brings up an interesting point, And she mentions that, you know, do you not know how much, you know, turmoil and you know how much your pain you're causing you know and how much you're tormenting our you know our families and just the reporter just simply says you know if you want to talk about traumatized let's talk about how the families that lost their loved ones because of your husband let's talk about that so i thought that Ooh. was that was a really interesting little conversation that they had so she just simply says, you know, I'm going to keep doing my job. There's nothing you can do to change it. And she simply says, oh, you know, uh, she says that, you know, I was holding back, but I'll be more than happy to go on further. And she just simply throws in a little extra jab, extra punch. She says, you know, oh, you know, about Jack, you know, oh, I hope Jack's doing good. Uh, I hope Jack's doing okay in his camping trip or a trip or whatever. And you could just see Allison just fed up and she she's had it. So that scene poppy what did you think of that scene did you, did you did you were you like oh man like this reporter just really just wants to go at it or how, how did you feel about it yeah i mean it was once again another sketchy moment i had uh a sketchy moment in what sense well i mean obviously she kind of has all the cards i mean she knows everything and it was very yeah. creepy you know if if you're a hawthorne because you're like how the hell do you know everything that's going on how do you know this how do you know that and at the end that little last dig like oh okay you know say hi to your to your uh, grandson that's over at the crazy camp i'm like if i were them i'd be like how the fuck does this lady know all this stuff like who's spilling the secrets like who could know this and like my mind would be like reeling of like who have i said this to who have i said that to who could have possibly have, have done this so I liked her because she, uh, you know, she She's was not playing balls. any games. She's got some balls in her. She does. She's got lady balls. Yeah, she does. And and she brings up this this persona that, you know, you may think you have a chance of trying to figure out how I'm getting all this information, but you literally have no idea. And she knows it because she's able to articulate 
every single event that's happening in their life and she's able to just simply report it and no consequences to her for whichever way she's getting her information. So her little interaction is pretty, pretty interesting. I liked it how she kind of just put it in Madeline's face and just said, ha, I have all the cards. I'm able to articulate how I want this to go and I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because there's literally nothing you can do. And then moving on just a little bit further, we do see that Jack is talking to Garrett on the phone and he Jack is, you know, explaining that, you know, I want to get out of here, you know, you know, that these people are like super nuts, they're weird, and uh, Garrett simply just tells him, you know, that my cabin is roughly, you know, uh, close there. You can see, like, Garrett, how stupid are you? Right? I was thinking, why would you do that? Like, why would you even, you know, give Jack. Yeah, my cabin's, like, nearby, and, uh, you know, the key's under the mat, and, uh, there's $10,000 in the safe, and, uh, the code is 12345. Him just to stay there, you know. Stay there, enjoy it, whatever. But nope, he told him that, oh, you can find my cabin, it's not far from there, blah, 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 blah. And we kind of see that he takes an interest, Jack takes an interest towards a uh, girl that kind of shows to have the same type of qualities as himself. Mm-hmm. And Jack Skellington Jess, found his Sally, or Sadie. And I thought Jess would have loved this scene, the fact that there's another potential Jack. Except oh with girl my version. god! The first person I was thinking of was Jess, like, oh, Jess must be so thrilled and happy and excited for Jack that he's found somebody, you know, to be with and to, you know, I exchange, puked a little. I puked exchange, in my mouth. exchange ideas with. So... And we'll talk about their little interaction later on. And speaking of that little interaction, we kind of see that it kind of moves over to Garrett and to Madeline Allison. And both of the women are saying, you know, I can't believe, you know, she, you know, there's nothing we can do. I have no idea how, you know, how she's getting this. You know, things are just going to get worse. And Garrett says, you know what? I'm going to help you guys. I'm going to help you girls. You know, we're going to figure out who the source is. And again, I gotta go back and ask, why do you guys feel like Garrett is up and willing to just help? Because, I mean, he did put out $200,000, even though it wasn't really his money, it was his mother's. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, he gave away the money, and now he wants to help out his sister and his mother. So why do you, do, do you guys feel that Garrett has a, another hidden agenda as to why he's helping out or do you feel like it's really just in his nature that we're finally getting to see the different layers of Garrett or what makes Garrett is that he actually is a genuine person who actually likes to help it just so happens that it just he just appears to be put in really bad situations I'll go with Sam when he gave Jack the address to his cabin and I found out that the camp was like right next to it I was like what the heck like why would you do that there's no and by no means helping anybody because like I didn't think (laughs) Jack would go there but you know it's Jack so what am I supposed to think but I think Garrett had every intention to tell him that and it wasn't a stupid move in my mind because what if there was something planted on Garrett that 
was found in his cabin that could either help his family's case or like condemn them even further. I don't really know what Garrett's motive was for that. He knew what he was doing. In terms of his family, I do think he was trying to help them by leaving. That wasn't really helping them. I think that was just kind of hurting them, but I think he was trying to help himself because he couldn't help the family at that point. There was something just so wrong and he's like, I need to get out of this before I become crazy too. So that was his thing there. But now he's back and he's going to try and make amends because the situation has changed a little bit. So I think he was trying to help them and he is always put in the weirdest situations because it's the Hoffman family. They're weird. So you can't really help that, right? But... I don't think he had any evil motives. I think he was just trying to... They have a lot of money. I don't know how much money they they net worth, but I think they have a crap ton. So I think giving away 200 grand was not a big deal. It's like pocket change for them. So I don't think they should have been mad at that. I think that was a good thing for them to do. Well, him to do in their name in a sense. Because they need to put money into their city. Like they can't just be murderers. Like that's not... A good. Oh my gosh! Honestly, <laughs> they can't just be murderers. They you know, they need to... to like give back financially. <laughs> they have to. They have to oh improve. Oh my god, Sam! I love that. They have to improve. That is like my mantra now. You can't just be a murderer. You got to give back to the community, community financially. I, uh... You don't get to donate to the hospitals that will be indexing your loved ones' body parts. <laughs> Sam is priceless. I love that. I, you uh, just want... you you win the internet. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I want royalties like starting right after this podcast. Is yes, everybody hashtag it and put it on t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, I think... Hawthorne's for employment. <laughs> I do think that they need to improve their image. They, they can't just be what they are. I'll say that. Like, Allison, if she wants to win the mayoral campaign, she can't just be like, oh, yeah, by the way, my dad was a murderer. Like, full for me. Because, like, she has things going for her, so she can't just have that hanging over her head. So I think by making that donation, I think that's a very sizable step in the right direction. I don't know where you go from from there. You can't pardon the fact that your family killed people. You gotta start somewhere, and I think Garrett was trying to just establish that first step. Yeah, yeah that would make sense. So he's trying to pave the way or start the way for what it is that they need to do in order to be more liked in the community or bring better press instead of just, you know, bad press that's happening to them. And in this next scene, I kind of want to go to Jess because we all know Jess loves Jack. She loves Sophie. I mean, she just has so much admiration for these people. I gotta, I gotta give Jess the spotlight for this. We see this little interaction that we have with uh, Cam and the nurse for a little bit and they're playing foosball on the table and they're playing you know you know they're connecting you know like on a friendship level from what it seems at the moment and then we kind of see sophie kind of enter into the picture and she tells jack that you know what i, I like this you know this version of you and i think i want to give it a shot to get clean jess what was your take on this scene this entire scene with sophie and with uh camp Liar, liar, pants on fire. Sophie, so you're not, you are a selfish her a chance. You're immediately no. just out. She's a liar. Yes, I am. And I'm going to kick her ass right out of that rehab. Or I would if she was real. I would run her over with my wheelchair. And I wouldn't <laughs> even care if I broke her foot in the process. <sighs> well, there's that. I just, oh. 
Sophie. Okay. It looks like she's trying. Does it not or no? You no, think it's a- No, I think it's a manipulative tactic because Cam is serious about getting clean. She can see that he's starting to pull away from her. And when she started talking about like, oh, maybe she should try it there. Maybe she should get clean. I was like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> if she inserts herself into his recovery at that, at that center where they are not only, you know, ex-lovers, but going through the same treatment, she will purposely cause him to self-destruct. She will purposely make his life harder. She will purposely basically induce him to try the drugs again. Like, obviously, Cam is a grown-ass man. He can and should be responsible for his own choices. And at the end of the day, he is, in fact, responsible for his own choices. But Sophie is the catalyst to almost every bad decision that we've seen him make thus far. She is like the little devil on his shoulder, except she doesn't encourage him to have a good time and, you know, be wild and maybe gain a few pounds. She's like, no, no, kill yourself with me because if I'm going down, you're going down. Baby. Pretty much. Kind of like Romeo and Juliet, right? In a sense. Yes, if Romeo and Juliet was about drugs and heroin and (laughs) sex with uh, uh, drug dealers. Wait, so does that mean at the end that Sophie gets stabbed? Because I'm cool with that. (laughs) By Jack. (laughs) April can come in at the very end and save Cam before he stabs himself and everyone wins. Yay! Happily ever after. (laughs) Moving on to the next scene, we see that Detective Cutter and uh, Brady and Detective Brady visit this house, this this house of interest because they were able to find out which car uh, was associated or may have been associated with a particular uh, with uh, remember the video footage right based based upon the video footage that they saw in this episode but they also saw it obviously in previous episode but they noticed that the car had a unique dent in it so they wanted to go ahead and look through a police reports and see if any types of accidents were reported or anything like that in regards to them maybe potentially finding who may have been the other accomplice. So we see that they visit the house and we see that the house is kind of in the middle of middle middle of ish of nowhere and it's it just gives you that creepy feeling. The fact that you would kind of see it in a a killer movie or slasher yeah. movie. Or it was something. in the middle of Ish too. Yeah, it, it like it was literally in the middle of nowhere. It, at least what it was shown in the scene, and we see the detectives go up, and a woman answers the door, and this woman, as we see, is blind. She has the you know the wonking stick in front of her, and the way her mannerisms are. So you can already give you can already make the assumption that she's blind, and she kind of makes little remarks that she is. So she allows them to come into the house and we see Brady pull out his phone and he's about to take a picture and she asks, you know, you should ask first if you want to take a picture. And I thought that was funny. I thought that was hilarious. But so they decide to ask, you know, by any chance, do you know, uh, do you know Mitchell Hawthorne? You know, they ask the usual questions to try to figure out if maybe she knows something about SBK. And uh, 
they ask for her husband and she says, you know, that he's been dead for quite a while. That she's that he's been dead for over 20 years around. I think she said roughly like 24 years. So she just explains that, well, you know, I don't know this Mitchell Hawthorne or anything like that. And uh, Brady then says, you know, do you know anything about SBK, Silver Bells? You know, it's all over the news. So in a way, I didn't like the way Brady was acting in a way because I felt like he was kind of being a dick. And she simply says, well, I'm not able to, you know, watch the news, obviously. And it was also noted that her, the car was actually stolen. And she states that, well, the car was stolen, you know, a while back and I never reported it. So then Brady decides to ask, you know, well, why didn't you report it? And she simply says, well, I had no need for it. Which I, again, thought that was really funny and hilarious in all respects towards her. And so to them, it kind of leads them in a, you know, wild goose chase. That it kind of just shows that, well, well, maybe it really had nothing to do with the case. So, eh, maybe it was just nothing. And in spe speaking of the relationship that was there, we kind of see that Garrett is in the kitchen with Tessa and Tessa obviously is still worried, is still kind of upset, still shaken about being pregnant and potentially bringing out another person into this world. And Garrett then finds out from her that he that she's pregnant and Garrett seems very happy for her and says, you know, well, that's, you know, that's good news, isn't it? And she says, you know, but, you know, what if, you know, what if, he, uh, what if you know, bring a, this child in and it turns into, you know, this and he simply consoles her and tells her, you know, you know, if you want, I can go with you to the doctor for the next checkup. So we see that their relationship as brother and sister are still really, really strong. Do you guys feel like that that relationship is just going to keep getting better over through the next couple of episodes? Like, do you guys feel like it'll actually influence potential maybe sides coming about? Or do you feel like it'll help? move forward with the major plot like what do you guys think of this interaction that they have with each other poppy it's cute i mean you can tell that he really cares for her you can tell that she really cares for him they have a really good uh, brother sister bond and it's nice to see them develop develop it a little bit more because we were sort of kind of just like told from the pilot episode that they have this bond so it's nice to see it develop throughout the episodes Sam, how did you feel about those their little interaction? Like, do you feel like it'll help move forward with the plot? Like, do you feel like it actually has a place in the plot, in the major plot of schemes of this show? Or do you feel like it's more of like a side thing that it, it doesn't really fuel that much, but it just gives a little bit more insight to the type of interactions, personality types that they have with each other? Well, should one of them turn out to be the killer or accomplice of the killer, then they're gonna have to remember how they felt about each other growing up and then right now and decide like whether or not they're gonna let whatever's going on affect that. So should that time come, it'll be a huge story device. For now, I think it's just a character development, which I love. I love seeing that in the midst of all of this horrific stuff going on around them that they can still sit down and just have quiet moments and say like, yeah, we're friends and we're siblings and I can trust you and you can trust me with anything. Okay, nice. 
and then speaking of that little relate that relationship with Garrett and Tessa, we do see another type of relationship, but with Garrett and Allison. And this one is they're on a stakeout and they're trying to figure out who is the individual that is feeding this reporter information about themselves. And we see their interaction is actually, you know, brotherly, sisterly, sibling type love interaction we see that they're they're kind of joking a little bit and garrett even makes a comment saying no you would be a great mayor that you know even though you'd be you're the biggest pain in the ass that i know but you would be a great mayor he gives her a compliment and allison says you know oh you you think so and they both laugh and you can see that it's maybe it's not the same you can say that it's not the same as garrett and tessa's you know relationship but you we can definitely make that assumption that it looks like it's getting a little bit better than it than from what it was from the start of the season how allison was immediately confrontational with garrett and wanting to know well why are you suddenly here what business do you have here they look like they're starting to get along a lot better and it looks like garrett is slowly opening up to alice not so much to, as he would to Tessa, but it looks like he's starting to allow her to be in his life. And then we kind of see uh, that Garrett notices the individual coming out of the house and he says, oh, well, you know, why don't we just leave, you know, uh, why don't we just go out and go do something? And Allison notices an individual coming out of the house and it is her husband coming out of the house giving the reporter a kiss did you guys think immediately that he was the individual giving the information was that the first thing that came to y'all's minds or do you feel like it was something a little bit more elaborate assuming that you didn't obviously finish the entire episode like on that moment what was y'all's initial thought process i'm gonna go with jess For whatever reason, and like this is one of those obvious things that should have struck me, I wasn't thinking about, oh, Allison just caught her husband cheating on her. For me, the focal point of that scene was Garrett saw his brother-in-law before Allison did, and he realized what was going on, and he's like, oh, uh, let's, let's go, let's leave, we can come back later, whatever. So he might not have the same you know, close bond that he has with Tessa, but his his instinct was still to protect his sister. And right. I think that says a lot more about his relationship with the rest of the family, because really, like, that just made me consider Garrett and the series in an entirely new way, because, like, he keeps threatening his, his mom that he's going to, like, blow this whole story wide open and he's going to tell and he's going to do this and he's going to do that. But he doesn't actually do it. And seeing the way that he was protective over Allison, like, not realizing that, you know, his sister is pretty freaky-deaky behind closed doors. <laughs> he was, Jess? He was... I, th I think his desire to protect overrides everything else. I think that there's something in him that's just instinctually out for his family. 
and out to make sure that they are safe. It's it's not the smartest instinct that he has, but I think it's something that is so deeply ingrained in him that a couple of threats isn't going to, you know, make him suddenly turn around and be like, you know what, I'm my own man. I'm not my family's coin-operated boy anymore. I think he did a great job, you know, living by himself in the woods for however long. But I think, you know, his his call home, his, his being pulled home, and now he's pulled back into that madness, and he's falling back into those same old patterns. So that was one of the things that I really took away from the scene and a, the series as a whole. And I don't know if, you know, I'm... I'm overanalyzing or just putting meaning and context context sorry where there is none um but yeah that was the first thing i noticed and so tom being the person that that reporter is cozying up to wasn't really on my radar and i realized like half a second too late when she started looking a little bit shocked and she was like oh my god it's tom and i was like oh oh that's gotta suck but I was like, wait, he wants to work on his marriage with his wife. He wants to, you know, have their family succeed among all of this treachery and intrigue and scandal that's going on. So I was like, nah, this has got to be one of the biggest red herrings the show has thrown at us so far. Just because, you know, I, I can't see because... Was it last week's episode or the week before that? Like, Tom was talking about how the Hawthorns and the Silver Bells murder case had actually impacted his business as well. And he was losing clients and they didn't know how they were going to afford their twins' private schools and all these other things. And why would he continue to tip off a. Like, if he wants to shebang with a random journalist, sure, whatever. That's cool. Shebang, shebang, baby. But why would he... She moves, she moves. Why would he continuously tip her off, give her all of the Hawthorne's dirty laundry, if he actually loves Allison, if he wants their family to remain intact from this storm? Why would he help her if he wants to continue, you know, making a living for himself? Because all of this scandal obviously isn't good for his company either because obviously, you know, his his business is so entrenched with his wife's that he's losing out financially as well. Like, if, if Allison goes down, Tom goes down as well. Like, there's no... This is not a win-win situation for him or even a win-lose. This is... Yeah, well, that's what happens when you go down on other people. Yep. Yeah, man. <laughs> shebang, shebang. So, then... no, I don't think that Tom is the leak. Right, I mean, you do bring up very solid evidence to showcase, you know, what he had said in, in a previous episode that, you know... That it's impacted him, too, that this event is making him and his family suffer quite a bit, that it's starting to hurt them financially. So you do really do bring up the great point of, you know, why why would he even decide to be this leak of information for the Hawthorne? So it would seem, you know, unlikely, at least from first glance. And speaking of first glance, we then see... A little bit later on that 
Brady finds out that the woman actually lied about not knowing the Hawthorns. And the reason being is because they noticed that she had a... In one of the pictures that he took from the house, that he noticed in one of the pictures, there was a uh, picture of Mitch to, for uh, the rosary. That There was a picture of him. and he, The they, rosary... Yes. The um that's it the wake. Well that what oh, however you want to call it, wake. Yes. The funeral service. Funeral service. We'll go. Yes, with that. never trust blind old ladies, apparently. Yeah, because she apparently said, Oh well, I don't know this person, but ah, it doesn't seem that way because she had it and she and you can tell from the picture that she looked like she you know, it was part of her mail that she got, I guess, and she decided just to leave it there. So the detectives notice that and they, they decide, you know what, we're going to go ahead and pay, you know, her back a visit and figure out what it is that's going on. But in the next scene, we see Jess's lovely children are talking to each other. Jess, uh, your, Jess's your children. Favorite. Jess's children. She loves them to death. <laughs> she gave birth in a... The two kids decide to run and go to to the cabin to the cabin that Garrett had mentioned that he had stayed at, and they enter in and they notice a couple things. There, they're kind of just you know looking around, seeing you know what's in it. And what we see, it's kind of just like a regular cabin. It's you know has a couple of stuff, has a drawer, has a bed, you know, and it has you know I guess you could say like the essentials that you normally we see but jack opens up a drawer and we see that the drawer has a lot of stuff in it i don't know if anybody caught that but in the drawer we notice that they have that mm -hmm. it has gloves it has tape it has things that you normally would suspect it has like light bulbs and everything you normally things that you would suspect you would need for the essentials to maintain the cabin or maybe something else so who knows but then we notice that the you know this crazy little ugh, this crazy little girl is literally a twin of I swear to god literally the twin of jack fire is a crossbow Soulmates. oh yeah they're they're your children too and we notice that she fires this crossbow and she says you know why don't you put this cup on top on top of your head and tells jack you want you put it on top of your head and i'll shoot it and jack says well me first because you know you shot it first so it's my turn so she kind of just nonchalantly gives him the crossbow and she puts the cup on top of her head. And this scene really did showcase, I guess, Jack's internal struggle or what he wanted or what he wanted to do. Because you can see from his point of view, he's aiming the crossbow at the cup and then he slowly just brings it down to her, to her, to her chest, to her head, to her chest, everything. And he's slowly just like picking it up and down, like as if he's trying to figure out, you know, which target do I really, really want to hit? Which way do I go? Which way do I go? And this, oh, like she's so, oh, she's so awkward. She simply just says, oh, you're so disappointing. Like really just made me put a palm to my head and just be like, what is wrong with this girl? I swear to God, what is wrong with her? I'm not going to lie. I thought he was going to kill her. I did too. You know, I was like, what? you know what? I, I have to admit, I really thought that was that's exactly what was gonna happen. I thought he was gonna shoot her like on the shoulder or something to say, you know, 
I like and give up this excuse like I wanted to see what it looked like, you know. I legit was prepared to like when he was like trying to aim the crossbow, I was prepared to yell out headshot like really loudly. Yeah, I thought he was going to like arrow her brain. But I thought when, so too. When he stopped when he was like it almost looked like he was nervous and like actually having some of that like what is that guilt? Like Stop trying to make me feel sorry. Or maybe it's because he actually liked her, and so he was like, I don't know if I really want to kill her yet, because I kind of like her. Yeah, but I don't believe that. I'm like, stop trying to make me feel like this is something that I could be like, oh, how cute. No, it's not cute. They're both evil, and I want them both locked up far, far away from me. And he is still an evil little shit, and he doesn't deserve any of my praise for not murdering a little girl. <laughs> oh, Jess, your children just love you. It's fine. Back, but... demons! Back, I say! <laughs> just don't give them a crossbow. <laughs> as long as they don't have that, everything will be okay. And speaking of of annoyance, not to Cam or to the nurse, but to Sophie, we see that uh, we see that Cam is in the kitchen, and Nurse comes in and says, "You know, hey, just let you know that your, uh, you know, that your ex-wife came in, and you know, try to uh, try to mess with her, to mess with her and tell her boss that you know that I was trying to get some sort of financial incentive for you with this idea. Basically, Sophie was just there to ruin it." And again, Jess's lovely character that she loves to death on the show really just showcases that she's really this self-interest, horrible person. She's only I told really... you, I told you, she was not there for redemption. She's only there for. She herself. was there for love. What a dumb bitch! Oh my gosh! And it's interesting because the nurse brings up a very interesting point about a connection with heroin and with sophie and she simply you know asked you know what do you tell me about your heroin addiction and cam explains what it's like to have this addiction that you hate it and but you love it you know all these qualities that go about with having this addiction and she simply just asked you know okay well then tell me about your relationship with sophie and he said and cam responds that it's destructive that uh, you know that I crave her and that she has this hold on me and he kind of personifies the relationship of how heroin is to the same way he has with Sophie and you can kind of see that Cam is slowly starting to realize that holy shit you know Sophie really is bad for me that you know I gotta I gotta if I need if I want to move over move forward and be better and get better. I, I need to start removing individuals from my lives. I need to start doing things that are going to make me feel better. So that little revelation that he had, I think that was really cool for Cam to finally realize it. So that was actually pretty interesting and a really cool scene to see. But then we see this really shitty scene for the family where the reporter decides to throw in a little bit more 
<laughs> at the Hawthorns and say, you know, but... That was a whole lot of shade. Yeah, it was a whole lot of shade, especially towards Tessa. And they say, you know, it could even be a potential danger, especially uh, uh, Allison's younger sister being pregnant. And you see Tessa's face is just in... She is just simply shocked and she has no idea because then, then we start getting the idea that, okay, something else has to be at play here because she simply says, wait, but I only told you. You were the only person I told, and she's referring to Garrett. And we then finally realize that, oh, they've been bugged. There was a bug under the table, and it came to mind how the bug even got there to begin with. But it was during that You got me all wobbly. Yes! That's why she was wobbling. That's why she was wobbling. Ooh, ooh. Tom, your stroke game is not bomb. Yeah, her lady boner wasn't popping. Nope, it has nothing to do with you. It's just, she's just really good at faking it or something. I don't know. So, we finally realized that there was actually no inside source. It was literally coming from their own mouths. Coming from them. So, ooh. So, we see that the mother is just pissed. She just gets the the bug itself and just throws it into the cup of water and everything she you could tell she's just pissed but then we move on to the next scene and we see that both detectives uh cutter and brandy uh brady brandy <laughs> brady uh go into the house and the door is simply left open it's dark and we then see that they notice that she is on the floor dead so, bum, bum. So it leads um, to the idea that, okay, somebody had to have known that both detectives are really getting close to figuring out who may be in a potential accomplice or who really is behind all of these atrocities. And to me, it makes me feel bad for this woman because she's blind and then she dies. So I felt kind of bad for her. I don't know about you guys. But yes, I feel bad. I don't know. It's just me. But I thought that woman was crafty as fuck because like true speaking from experience, if you are disabled, nobody is going to suspect you of doing something bad. Even if you did something bad, all you have to do is look cute or like heavily lean on your mobility aid. Not that I've done that before. Lord, but if now I I'm did, suspicious I just, of Jess. <laughs> I would just. Heavily Just as SBK. Walker and looks, you know, guilty of something. Jess, you are SBK. She has to be. Well, I am Jack's mother, apparently. <laughs> That's all right. I can get down. We're with making Sam. it canon. We're definitely Wait, just. Gonna... I, I did get to get. I did get to get down with Cam, right? Because I'm cool with that. He's cool when he shaves and showers. And his lady boner. Uh, I don't think that's his. No, lady boner is mine. Regular boner is Cam's. Cam's. Sam is loving this. <laughs> no, I'm still mad at the fact that that journalist thought it was okay to bug someone's house. Yeah, because Sam, so... for those that don't know, Sam is an established journalist. So she I'm... has integrity. 
I'm oh, yes. in a journalism program in Canada, so I'm, you know, I, I know things. But She has Canadian integrity. <laughs> yes, I have common sense and I have uh, humanity. <laughs> it's true, though. You're not supposed to, as, as, a, as a journalism grad as well, you're not supposed to do things like that. But also, I was expecting that journalist to end up with unsavory body parts in the river. I don't know why my mind keeps going to that, you know, same old scenario this episode. But really, the Hawthorns are scary-ass people. I would be afraid of tangling with them. No, but, like, I just, as a human being, you don't do that to anybody. And then when your boss says, where did you get those facts from? You don't have a source. You say, oh, I found it in this bug. Unless that records what it says, then you have nothing. It's like, oh, I just pulled this out of my ass. Here you go. I'm going to report on it tonight. She's just like crafty little so-and-so, and I'm really mad that she did that. Also, did Brady not know that lady was blind? Like, she all but spelled it out for him, and I just thought, like, are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> I think she knew, or I think he knew, because, like, every time he would make an insensitive comment, he would just kind of, like, the look on his face would be like, I am a shitheel of a human being. I don't deserve to live on this planet anymore. And Cutter just didn't care. Cutter was just like, well, stuck my foot in it. Whatever. We can move on. She's blind. She's been blind for a while. Everyone get over it. Move on. Yeah. Good cop, bad cop, I guess. But, like, Brady, I think, actually has a conscience and a soul and, like, doesn't like to offend people. But I think when you're thinking too hard about not offending someone... You're accidentally gonna like stick your foot in your mouth no matter how much you want to do the exact opposite. But I do feel like he was kind of being kind of a douche in this episode. And I say that because it's not on purpose. I just, just, he was just being a douche and he was just being insensitive. And I say that because in this, in this next scene, we see that Brady comes home and you could tell that he's a little bit. You know, upset that he finds out that Tessa is pregnant, but through unconventional means, not by word of mouth from her. And he says, you know, it's in the news. You know, the lieutenant found out before me. You know, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Like, how could you not tell me? And Tessa tells him, well, I've been trying to call you and to let you know. And uh Tessa and Tessa tells tells him that well I've been trying to tell you and Brady's response is well you need to try harder that you need to get my you know grab my attention or something and let me know that you know this about this event and Tessa then explains well you know I've been thinking about not even wanting it because to bring you know this you know, to bring this child into this world. I mean, look at Jack. You know, what type of environment would we bring this child into? You know, and she explain and she explains that, you know, this horrific family legacy, you know, this, you know, shitstorm of a media fest here that's turned it into a circus. And she even says, you know, an an absentee uh father. And Tessa says that you're never here. Because that you, you're literally never here with me and brady then again interjects and says well it's because of this case so literally they're just going back and forth about the about tessa being pregnant and not you know you know supposedly respecting brady and not letting him know and stuff like that but in this exchange who do you guys feel like is in the wrong in this section do you feel like tessa 
was in the wrong, or do you guys feel like that it was actually Brady that was in the wrong? If you guys had to pick a side, and I guess give a little brief explanation, who would you, whose side would you choose if you had to pick one? Team Brady. Okay, Poppy, I'll start with you. Why would you pick Brady? Brady, because, like, really, Tessa, like, maybe he's been gone, like, two or three days because he's been working on this case, but, like, that's so foul to say, an absentee father. I'm like, really? And, like, lady, you've been living over at your mother's house for, like, forever. Like, seriously, who's absentee? So I thought that was kind of annoying. I get where she's coming from because she's all torn up inside as far as, like, oh, my gosh, is he going to be a killer? Is he going to be a little Jack? Is he going to be, you know, a little me, you know, all nice and proper and all that kind of stuff? So I I get why she's freaking out. But she needed to open up and talk with her husband. I mean, that's what her husband is there for, to, like, share her, you know, her, um, her, her deepest fears her worries everything she's supposed to be sharing the good times and the bad times with him and i thought it was a little foul that she like left him out of the equation and i completely understand where he's coming from because like the last thing that you want to hear or or the last way that you want to learn that you're going to be a father for the very first time especially after all the time that you've been going through treatments and whatnot because the pregnancy has been a little difficult, then, you know, the last thing that you want to do or the last thing that you want to have happen to you is to be told by other people and then have, it's probably extreme to say the world find out, but at least the entire city find out before you. So... Yeah, I get both sides, but I'm a little bit more Team Brady, because I I thought that was kind of foul on Tessa's side. But I can forgive her because she's going crazy, thinking that her child might be crazy. Okay. Jess or Sam, do you guys agree? Are you more Team Brady in this scene, or no more Team Tessa? I think I've always been more Team Brady, just because the way Tessa conducts herself, even before her pregnancy, like now she kind of has an alibi. Before she was pregnant, she was still acting very hesitant, very against Brady breaking into this case because she knows it's in her family. So she didn't want her husband to betray her trust, and he did in a way, but he didn't because he was doing his job as a a police officer and and detective, you know. So I think she's always been not whiny, but just kind of like irritable. Once she found out that it was her family for sure, she was just like, oh crap, now I, you know, where am I supposed to go with this? And then she, I guess, somewhere conceived in that point, like in that area of time. I don't know. And now it's just like, oh, well, he's too busy at work. But Brady just wants to get this done and over with, which I know everyone feels that way. So, I mean, I think he's trying to, he's always looking for the best interest of their family. And his job is very demanding. And she needs to realize that you can't just marry someone in the law enforcement career field and just be like oh yeah you're gonna be home with me like every day and every night right like no that's exactly the opposite of what you're getting into and I don't think she had a clear idea of that by the sounds of it and how she acts getting into this marriage I don't know how long he's been married for but it's like you're you're gonna have to allow him to do his job if you want to keep this family together and if you want you know to be a decent human being so I'm like team Brady okay Jess what about you which side do you think was a little bit more on the right? You know, I'm team... I can kind of understand 
both of their reactions. Like, obviously, they've both, up until this point, Brady has thought that they are, you know, on the same page. They want a baby. That's something that they mutually strive towards. But now Tess is like, well, I don't want the spawn of Satan developing in my uterus. Like, and Brady is not even thinking along those lines. Brady is like, oh my God, like, this is going to be so awesome. I can't wait to, like, have a kid and teach you how to throw a ball and, like, go to every single thing that they have and do all those dumb parent things that embarrass children. I can't wait. I'm so excited. But, like, oh, it's it's such a toughie because, like, I can see where Tess is coming from and I can see where Brady's coming from. And I definitely think, you know, the way that Brady found out, you know, not through a one-on-one -on -one conversation with his wife, but from the news, I think that that was definitely an issue. Um... But I, I do sympathize with Tess because, you know, if I was in that situation, I can't say that I would be totally upfront and honest right away. And if the bug hadn't forced Tess to be honest, like, I, I wouldn't blame her for holding on to that secret for as long as she could. So then if you had to pick a side, which one would you pick? I am Who'd Switzerland. You... You're Switzerland. Yes. Well, as for me, I kind of have to disagree with both. I actually a little bit more on Tessa's side only because... You would. Of course. But the reason I'm a little bit more on her side is because, yes, she has all this uh, you know, pressure of her family in regards to this media storm that's going about her. But she's also helping taking care of Jack, too, at the same time. Because you don't see really anybody else stepping up to the plate in order to help Cam or anything. So I kind of feel like she's been giving on a lot more than usual than what you normally would deal with. And the fact that she is trying to figure out a way to handle her situation with her being pregnant and all, I think I think Brady was a little bit insensitive in those regards because he states that, well, you need to get my attention. You need to do all this. Well, again, he's not seeing it from her side where she's having to take to take Jack to handle Jack because nobody else is doing it as well. And then the fact that she's figuring out that, oh, well, that her in her mind, she feels that, well, well what if her child ends up being kind of reminiscent of how Jack is or kind yeah, of like no, what runs through her family. She's having all of these issues inside her and she's trying to figure out a way to cope with everything and I feel like in in Brady's in Brady's situation it kind of just feels like well kind of kind of need to see it from her perspective too that yes it was unfortunate that he found out through his lieutenant that it came out on the news because it, it was reported but it's not like tessa intentionally made that to happen it wasn't actually tessa's fault that it came about in a really unorthodox way of brady finding out so i feel like she shouldn't be at fault for not stating to brady right away because again she's trying to handle it the best way that she knows how to and for brady to simply stay well you know, you need to get my attention. Why don't you, aren't you telling me? Well, again, you kind of made it apparent that in her eyes, she's she sees that he's making it apparent that this case really is about everything what he wants to do. So I guess I'm a little bit more Tessa's side, but again, that's just me. 
But if yes, we well, sometimes people aren't uh, always right. But this one I am, though. <laughs> Thank you, Poppy. But if we were to move on just a little bit further, we see Allison decides to visit the reporter. And she decides to confront her about the bug and her sleeping with her husband. This entire scene really showcases how dark Allison can be. Because she simply tells her that, you know, I could report this. Uh, you know, you can get sent to jail for roughly five years. So now Allison is the one who's holding all the cards on her side. And you can see that she knows that she knows this, that she's the one who has control over everything. And she tells her, you know, at least I know that I, you know, that I'm not like you, that you like the misfortune of others and it, you know, fuels you. And Allison makes the point that, uh, you know, all the obstacles and hurtness uh, that I have she says at least I'm not you and she says you know I, I thank you for that so then she decides okay and as for the bug you know I might decide to press charges but don't worry I'll let you in on everything and she tells her you know I want you to report you know the good things about us and to leave it at that and she tells her to take off her shirt and I thought okay what in the world is going on at first but tells her to take off her shirt and she gets her shirt she has a pair of scissors and she cuts off the turtleneck part of the upper part of the shirt and tells her okay go ahead and put the shirt back on and she still has it on her heel and you can tell and you can see reporter then you know gets on her knees and gets the shirt and puts it over and allison says you know you know and she simply just walks off poppy how, how did you feel about allison's personality in this scene did you like it? Did you hate it? You know, how did you feel about it? The way that she handled this situation? I liked it. I feel like she was justified, especially after all that damage that was being done to her family. Not only her family, but also her political career. I mean, these bad stories about her family don't necessarily help her in uh, her trying to become the mayor of the city. So I feel like she was justifi justifiably pissed. How she did it, though, that was gangsta. So I have to give her props. And I think it, it kind of like gave us like maybe a little bit more of um a tease or a hint that maybe she has a dark side so for those out there that are kind of rooting for i don't want to say rooting but at least that, that are suspicious of allison being the accomplice to sbk then they have their proof right there they're like oh, okay she can be she can be tough and intense and kind of cuckoo which is good makes sense yeah the it, this scene could definitely provide evidence or further evidence if people feel like they have more of maybe Allison being a potential suspect who knows maybe but now we go to probably one of Jess's favorite scenes in the show because I mean it's involving Sophie come on we all know Jess loves Sophie and we see that Cam and Sophie are having this little discussion and Cam is letting her know that you know what that 
I'm taking responsibility right now, and I don't want this anymore. I don't want anything to do with you because it, our relationship is destructive. And Sophie simply just says, you know, you always do this. You know, we always do this. You know, we always break up, and we always uh, find out, find a way to get back to each other. And Cam says, you know, we, you know, we fight and we throw things, and it's part of the dysfunction that we have with each other and it's not healthy for us and it's not healthy uh for jack you know it's not healthy in any way shape or form and cam says you know i don't want this anymore i don't want you anymore you can see sophie is upset that what she's hearing that it's not to what she wants jess i must i have to ask i'm pretty sure were you rooting for cam you know, finally put his foot down and say, you know what? I'm done with you. you I was. And when he finally did, I was like, bitch, bye. You can leave now. Like, I never want to see your disgusting face on my television screen again. Bring on Nurse April. This is going to sound so wrong to say, but once he kind of broke up with her, hopefully this is the last time that they break up. In my mind, I was like, okay, her storyline's over. That means that SBK's accomplice can now kill her. Oh. That would oh be Oh my god, yes! Yeah. I would be Just, so did happy. Cam get a little sexier to you? I know that you have the problem yes. with the facial hair, but did he get a little sexier to you when he grew some balls and dumped her? He did, actually. I, You know what? I want to see him cry. And that is a compliment coming from me. <laughs> he did definitely, like, Shot from like a zero to like a seven. Oh, okay. I had to think about it. I was like five, six, seven, seven. If you take the shirt off and cries, <laughs> there's still time for that. But we see somebody who definitely got a zero was Jack. We find out that uh, Tess, Tessa, and Brady are at the doctor's again. They're you know having their appointment and everything and they seem to be getting on a little you know getting on with their relationship a little bit better they're able to communicate at least from what we're seeing and tesla gets a message and says oh you know jack got kicked out i need to go pick him up so she then picks him up and we kind of and i can just imagine jess is think is thinking in her head like oh my god like what could this little shit have done to get kicked out for only being there a short amount of time, and yet he still manages to get kicked out. So I can just imagine what was going on through Jess's mind. But if we were to move on just a little bit further, we see that uh, Brady is going through photos, you know, doing, you know, usual police work. You know, he's finding through you know, different things that maybe he could potentially find. And Tessa tells Brady that, well, he got kicked out because he had a knife. And the policy is that you're not supposed to have any uh, any weapons. And Tessa just gets a knife and throws it on the table. And Brady inspects it, and he notices that there is a chip or there is a missing com part on the knife. And, of course, you hear the music, you know, getting a little bit more eerie and, you know, fast-paced, a little bit faster. And... He sees that the piece that they have found on the floor, it looks like it fits into the knife itself. And you see Brady's face full of of just 
pure adrenaline and wanting to know, Jack, you know, where exactly did you get this knife? You know, you need to tell me right now, where did you get this? And Jack immediately says, oh, I got it from uh, Uncle Garrett's cabin. And, of course, the the next scene just shows Allison, Madeline, and Garrick taking a sip, you know, a toast, you know, for a job well done. And we see that the camera kind of zooms in on Garrett taking a sip, and then it shows Madeline with a more serious face taking a sip. And then it leads off into Garrett slowly sitting back down on the chair, and he's, you know, more in a relaxed position, and he's simply, like, with a grin, and then it cuts off. And the way that it ended, do you guys feel like it was a great way to end the episode, or did you guys hate it? Were you fed up with it? What did you guys feel about the ending? The way that it was presented? Stop framing Garrett, please. (laughs) The way he smiled didn't help his case at the end. Oh my gosh. No, it didn't. But, you know, I just gotta... uh, Why would he have a knife? Why would that be the exact knife? I think because this is a very big throwback to like the first couple episodes. I don't remember Uh which one. But Madeline, I really think she hid the bells in the box in, of like the p- newspaper and then the clippings. So what other memorabilia, I guess, or um, murder weapons or anything does she have that she can just throw at Garrett or someone saying like, oh, you know, oh, look, there's the knife. Like he did it, you know. So I'm just like, oh, I think <laughs> she planted it. I know that's kind of bizarre, but like, <laughs> what if she did that? I think she did. She's very capable of a lot of things that I think we still have yet to see. So I think... I would not put that past her. I would not put much past her because Garrett was threatening to tell the truth and she, he kind of just downed his bank account a little bit or her bank account. And, you know, oh, look, there's a knife. Like, oh, you know, I don't know if Madeline... Oh, there's a knife. Oh, you know, just to uh, put it there. Like, <laughs> you know, like just to play it. Right? Um, anyways, regardless, she... I think she put it there. I don't think... Because Garrett would, if he did something, keyword if he killed someone, he would not leave that there. He is not stupid. So I don't think, you know, overall, I don't think he did anything. I'm still pushing for him being innocent. I thought he was going to die, to be honest with you. Like, I thought that Madeline slipped something in his drink, like foxglove or something, but like a massive amount or or something like that. Jess, how do you know this stuff? It's on cold case in basically every show in the 90s. Jess has been doing some (laughs) extra research for the show. I binge watch old shows. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, I thought he was going to die. I thought Madeline poisoned his drink. I was like, oh, there is a limit to this mother's love. And Garrett has tapped out that limit. She is mad as shit. And when he, you know, didn't. When he didn't die, I was like, oh, I'm surprised that you're still alive. (laughs) So then if we were to rate the episode from one to ten silver bells, what would you guys give it? And I'll start with Sam. I'm going to rate this episode eight out of ten silver bells. I liked it. It was very peculiar on every front and there was a lot of major things that happened 
the breaks in the case this week were really interesting and we got to see everyone in a different light. I know there's a lot of light being shot on them right now, but it was very interesting to see them, how they operate this far in to the series and how like they're trying to be more cautious, but they're really not doing a very good job. Overall, it was an 8 out of 10 for me. Nice. Pompey, what would you give it from 1 to 10 Silver Bells? I give this episode eight and a half silver bells. I thought it was a decent episode. It wasn't one of the stronger ones, but we did a, we did have some really great character development and nice sort of smaller scenes between the characters as well. I loved seeing Garrett interact with Tessa and Garrett with Allison. I loved Allison sort of like you know, getting into the trenches and uh, making sure that uh, things were going to head into a little bit more of a positive situation for her family by sort of taking down the reporter. I like that. And of course, everything Jack was really interesting and fascinating. I'm glad that it appears as if Sophie will be heading off into the ether so that SBK can kill her and I'm loving all the development with uh, Brady and Cutter and I know I said this last week but I can't believe that I'm actually starting to like Cutter like their dynamic has shifted completely from an antagonistic one to a beneficial one where they're really helping each other trying to solve this case so for me eight and a half silver bells and maybe that half silver bell has like a little bit of blood on it Nice. Jess, what would you rate it from 1 to 10 Silver Bells? 7.3. Really, Jess? Jess is always the low one. You can't have a third of a bell. Why? Why are you doing this? (laughs) She just has the little ball of the bell that makes the noise. The tinkly part. Yes, I know you love a tinkly part, Jess. Oh my god. <laughs> oh god. No wonder this show gets complaints. <laughs> <laughs> um but no, I I I liked it. I just You know, this show for a summer show, I find it good and I find it reasonably entertaining and I do like it and I like the different layers that are unlocked every week, but I'm getting a little bit tired of Garrett always being the fallback or the guy that they go to to be like, oh my god, murder, 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 burn him in the square. It's because of his looks. It's like, oh, he looks like a killer. It must be him. I hate that. that and the whole, like, trying to shave himself with a knife that he sharpened on a rock and the whole, like, woods fetish taking a girl that he barely knows out to camp in some secluded woodland area. You would not be happy if a man wanted to share his wood with you? Not in the middle of a forest where nobody could reach us and I wasn't allowed to use my cell phone. What if he turned out to be a serial killer? Oh, well, everybody has their flaws. I would be dead. That's a pretty big flaw. Oh, whoops. Yeah. I have to console with Brittany on that. I'll be sure (laughs) to do that. But I think if I had to give it mm, one to ten silver bells, I probably would give it an eight. Yeah, I oh, think okay. it was a good episode. I don't think it was that strong, but I do feel like it really did showcase like how badass Allison can be. I think it really 
perpetuated Tessa and Garrett's relationship really well in this episode, and I feel like I did not like the way Garrick was being thrown in, how, oh, it's it's got to be him. There's more clues that are trying to hint towards him. I was kind of annoyed with that, but I want to see what they do with it, hopefully in the next episode, that it'll lead to something. So, but I think overall, I think I would give it eight silver bells. I think it was a good, it was a good episode. So I'm hoping it continues that trend for the next one. Now is the time where we make our predictions for the silver bells killer, but the accomplice as well. So I'm going to start with Jess. Who do you predict is the SBK and the SBK's accomplice? So I definitely think Mitchell had something to do with it, but I'm not sure now if he was the accomplice or if he was the Silver Bells murderer. Because looking at it, like just from that brief little bit of him that we saw before he, you know, was murdered by Madeline. He seemed to be the more passive, like the more passive um, person in the relationship, whereas Madeline was more the dominant one. So I can see him being the assistant, if you will, or the accomplice, and Madeline pulling all of the strings. Like, we don't have all of those details, but we do know that, you know. They've both been unfaithful to each other. Madeline was unfaithful at some point. Uh, Mitch was unfaithful. So And so I know this is very unlikely, but I just remembered that at the end of the episode. And I was like, well, maybe like it was never reported. But one of the people that they were unfaithful with, maybe, you know, they were the first victim for the murderous couple. Hmm. And no one cared. Like maybe they covered it up. Maybe it was like a couple bonding activity. So I'm going to go with Mitch as the accomplice and Madeline as the main killer. And as for like all the shade and suspicion thrown at Garrett, I'm going to have to say like that he figured out what his parents were up to. And unfortunately, Cam also got sucked into that whirlwind. I don't know if Allison is involved, and I think it's least likely that, you know, Tess had something to do with it, although I wouldn't count her out either. I think at this point that it is a multi-layered, multi-generational family affair for these people. Nice. Okay. Mm, Poppy, who do you think is the SBK and the accomplice? Okay, I think SBK is 100% Mitch. Mitchell is SBK as far as the accomplice. Okay, uh, let me go into sort of like the mechanics as to like why I think the accomplice is who this time around. For the past few weeks, ever since episode two, I've been stuck on Tessa being the accomplice. And I know... There are a bunch of you that have been stuck on Madeline being the accomplice. But to be honest, for me, Tessa did nothing suspicious this episode. So if I'm just going to go by who was suspicious this episode and all of like the stuff that we learned throughout the other episodes, I have to go, even though I don't believe it's him, but all the evidence pointed to Garrett. I mean, there was Tessa didn't do anything suspicious. How people are going to justify Madeline with this episode? Madeline did nothing suspicious this episode, so so I can't even 
guessed that it would be her this episode. Madeline is the matriarch of that family, and therefore it's her fault that Jack exists. That's just enough. No, she literally did nothing this episode. She was like in two scenes. So I I can't I can't get any evidence against her in this episode. Much like I've been hardcore that it's Tessa, I'd like there was no evidence against her this episode. The only two people that did come come off as hella suspicious in this episode were either Allison or Garrett. And uh, chopping off a turtleneck doesn't seem vicious enough to be in SBK. So unfortunately, just because of the evidence, I'm going to have to say Garrett this episode seemed hella sketch and uh, could have been the accomplice. I still believe, though, that the reason he had the knife wasn't some grand plot like uh, conspiracy theorist Sam thought that uh, Madeline snuck off into the woods and hit the ni- hit the knife and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to believe that he did take the knife whatever many years, 14 years ago, and he kept it. Maybe he knew that it was involved. Maybe he didn't. And, and that's why he has the knife. I honestly don't feel like he is the accomplice, but if I'm just going by the evidence at hand and what we saw this episode, I can't justify Tessa as I have been the past few episodes. I have to pick someone else. And uh, unfortunately, Garrett, you're my choice this week. I apologize ahead of time. Okay. Nice, I think. SBK, I feel like it is Mitch. I feel like it's him, and I feel like the accomplice, the accomplice is. Oof. I don't know. I, I don't think it's Garrett. And I'd say that it's not Garrett because I feel like it'd be too easy that it it would be him. And I feel like a lot of the, a lot of the evidence that was that is supposed to be transparent to him i feel like it was placed there on purpose to show that it could be him but i feel like it'd be too easy i feel like i feel like it wouldn't it wouldn't make any sense for it to be him i feel like he's aware or he knows something about an individual and i feel like i'm still sticking with it i feel like it's cam i do feel like it's cam and i feel like it was more of a repressed type thing but and I kind of and I guess you can say I'm a little bit biased because I don't want to pick Garrett because I like him as a character same thing with with Tessa I like her too but I'm still going with Cam I feel like he may be a part of it who knows but that will have to wait for another time I guess so Sam if you had to pick who would you pick for the SBK and SBK's partner Okay, I am not going to stray from Madeline being the SPK. It's just, I know Poppy said there was nothing this episode that made her suspicious, but there's so much stacked against her up till this point in the last eight weeks. So I think she's the killer. Now, the accomplice, yes, again, Poppy said that cutting a turtleneck sweater is not suspicious at all but the way she did it and orchestrated it i think allison is the accomplice she was able to easily go down that road of just like holding a potential weapon in her hands yes she didn't hurt her the journalist with it but i do think well if she can do that what else could she have done and you know now that i think about it her before trying to have everything perfect before the fallout came very suspicious and you know, her and Madeline are like two peas in a pod. Like, they would be sisters, honestly, in another world if it wasn't her daughter. Because they just act so similarly. I can't 
begin to think that it would be anyone else. Like Garrett is not the killer. And again, like Poppy said, I, yes, that's, that's a huge conspiracy theory. I don't think he used it to kill anyone. I just think that he would have used it for like a daily task, like shaving his beard or like cutting food, something like that. So that's why I said that. But Garrett is in my mind, not suspicious, even though he did look the part. So I'm going to say Madeline is SPK and Allison is the accomplice. Something a little bit different. I like, I like. With that being said, join us next time for a brand new installment of the Silver Bells Murders. Visit PompeyJuloRadio.com slash archives to download this episode and many more. Registered users will gain access to our archives of previously aired broadcasts. You can download tonight's broadcasts through iTunes. Just search for it for under the Silver Bells Murders and subscribe. Please like Poppy Chulo Radio on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash poppychuloradio. Help support Poppy Chulo Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychuloradio. Email us via contact at poppychuloradio.com with any questions, suggestions, comments, or maybe even concerns. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chulo Radio team as an on-air personality or maybe even a blog contributor? Email talent at poppychuloradio.com. Co-hosts, wish the listeners a happy good night. Good night, listeners. SBK, we're on to you. And your accomplice, too. Good night, everybody. Have a fantastic one. Good night, listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for a brand new installment of The Silver Bells Murders. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone.